Hi, welcome to church today. The message you're about to listen to came from a recent gathering at our church. Be encouraged as you enjoy this message. I had a message. <laughs> I, I had a... I was going to prepare a message on um, knowing God. But oh no, God changed that one. I haven't even, I mean, I'm still writing the message. I'm still writing it on the way in. I don't even <laughs> But it is what it is. So this is, I'm just going to read you what I have. This is all over the place. And indeed, I am a bit like that today. Father, I just thank you that you alone are God. An ever-present help in a time of need. Ask you, Holy Spirit, just to speak what you have to say. You are Lord in this place. May that which you have glorify the name of the Son. Amen. Amen. Matthew 28, verse 19 to 20. Go then and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them into the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you all the days, perpetually, uniformly, and on every occasion, to the very close and consummation of the age. Amen. So let it be. Mark 16, 15 to 16. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach and publish openly the good news the gospel to every creature of the whole human race. He who believes, who adheres to and trusts in and relies on the gospel and him whom it sets forth and is baptised will be saved from the penalty of eternal death. But he who does not believe, who does not adhere to and trust in and rely on the gospel and him whom it sets forth will be condemned. Amen. So I, the Lord just said to me, I said, oh Lord, let's talk about what you wanted me to preach. 
And then he just said, enlarge your tent. And I said, that's not what we're going to pre- I was going to preach, Lord. He said, enlarge your tent, son. So that's what we're going to talk about a little bit today. It's not, I don't think it's going to be long. Holy Spirit, help me. So, what is a tent? What is a tent? When the Lord says, enlarge your tent. Now, clearly, this is not like the tent of meeting or tabernacle that we see in Exodus 25.2, where God gave Moses specific instructions to build a place of worship and this could be taken up and moved each time they changed locations while wandering in the wilderness. That was a temporary dwelling place for the Ark of the Covenant and the other holy items that the Israelites were instructed to use in the worship of the sacrifice to Yahweh. Moses set the tent of meeting outside of the camp, which underscores that the people had broken fellowship with God at Sinai when they'd made that golden calf. Hebrews 9, 1 to 10, describes the earthly tabernacle or tent of meeting as a place into which the priests would go to offer sacrifices for the sins of the people. But that's not what we're going to talk about, but it's important for context. It is also not the tent Paul is referring to in the New Testament in 2 Corinthians 5 when comparing the tent of meeting to the earthly human body. He is referring to our (laughs) earthly body, our temporary dwelling place, just as the Israelites moved the tent of meeting from place to place, waiting For entrance to the promised land, believers in Christ are wanderers on the earth, people who are not at home in the world and who seek a city that is to come. So why did God dwell in a tent? Anybody? Hands up. The Lord dwelt in the tent of meeting because his people dwelt in tents. He had promised to be their God. He had promised to dwell with his people. In order to do this, God became like his people. Israel dwelt in tents. So God dwelt in a tent. This is pointing forward to the fulfillment of the covenant promises in Jesus Christ. 
in Jesus, the fullness of the Godhead dwelt bodily as the children had partaken of flesh and blood. So he himself likewise shared in the same. Hebrews 2.14. In fact, let me read that. Since therefore these his children share in flesh and blood, in the physical nature of human beings, he himself in a similar manner partook of the same nature, that by going through death he might bring to out and make of no effect him who had the power of death, that is the devil. So God came to be with his people by taking on human nature, the human nature of his people in Jesus Christ. The Lord tabernacled, so John 1.14. Tabernacled with his people in the body, the tent of Jesus. But that's not what we're talking about today. But for reference... So, what is a tent? What is the Holy Spirit highlighting here? The tent is a dwelling place, a place of habitation. The tent is a place of ownership, it is a place of responsibility and influence. It is a place of responsibility. It is a place of influence. It is what you cover, your personal jurisdiction. The Lord said to me, he said, it is what I have given into your hands for you are to be responsible for and watch over. I remember one time, Brother Sid, who knew Sidney Coy? Anybody know Sidney Coy? Right. He said, Deji, the Lord is saying, enlarge your tent. This was, must have been like five years ago. And I said, yes, amen, brother. The thing about a tent is that it can move. It's mobile. It can shift. It can expand easily. In the Hebrew, tent is, well, the noun for tent is, I don't know how you pronounce it, ohel, which is O-H-E-L, meaning either tent or general dwelling or habitation. And we see this in Songs of Solomon 1.5, Jeremiah 6.3, and some other scriptures as well. So the majority occurrences of this noun refer to the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, that we just mentioned in Exodus. But the noun comes, from the noun comes the demonstrative, demonstrative verb, ahal, which is A-H-A-L, meaning pitch a tent. So there's tent and there's pitch a tent. 
And that occurs in Genesis 13, 12, 13, 18, and Isaiah 13, 20. Okay. Why am I saying all this? When understanding enlarging of the tent, it's important to see the context of what God is saying. The transition from a nomadic to a sedentary lifestyle happens by summing up and deliberations. What am I saying? The tent, in this sense, is the centre of the camp and the clan's most central hub. It would also be the place where thoughts were exchanged and thus, in effect, where language and cultural expressions were crafted. The tent was the place where the mental equivalent of nuclear fusion began to occur on an industrial scale. Now, we know that Paul was described as a tent maker. Now, was that literally him sewing tarp together and literally creating tents, or was that him creating opportunities for any sort of synergy to occur? This is what I found out. I'm not sure. But all I know is this. When God says enlarge your tent, he's talking about influence and the discussion place that he can use to bring people in. Okay? He said to me, there is hidden meaning inside the tent and it is worth understanding what is the structure of the biblical tent before addressing your responsibility. And I said, okay, Lord, what, what, what does that mean? But before we get into that, let's look at Isaiah 54. One to five. Because this is the tent. The description of the tent that God wants us to look at today. Sing, O barren. You who have not born. Break forth into singing and cry aloud. You who have not laboured with child, for more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. For you shall expand to the right and to the left, and your descendants will inherit 
the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. Do not fear, for you will not be ashamed, neither be disgraced, for you will not be put to shame. For you will forget the shame of your youth and will not remember the reproach of your widowhood anymore. For your maker is your husband, the Lord of hosts is his name. And your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. He is called the God of the whole earth. Amen. Powerful scripture. Isaiah addresses the Jews in the name of the Lord. So what is he saying? Enlarge the place of thy tent and let them stretch forth the curtains of thine habitations. Spare not, lengthen thy cords and strengthen thy stakes. In other words, make your tent large enough and strong enough. This is where we're going to land today. When God says, well, when he said to me, enlarge your tent, there's a certain amount that I have to do, we have to do, and there is what God needs to do. In the context of this scripture, these words of prophecy were concerning the return of the Jews to Jerusalem following their time in exile in Babylon. Babylonian exile and captivity meant that oppression for Israel and shame and disgrace and humiliation. But God promises a glorious release from not only the exile and captivity, but also from the shame, disgrace and humiliation. Enlarge the place of your tent. The curse and shame of barrenness would be so completely broken and Israel would be so fruitful that they would have to expand their living space. So here we have in grace and in mercy, God showing to his people promises that he will yet once more richly increase and bless them. And it's talking about the immediate future. Now, these words of prophecy have to do with us. They have to do with the New Testament church, the experience of humiliation and exaltation of the Lord Jesus Christ, the saviour of sinners, which is what we see in Isaiah 53. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our guilt and iniquities. The chastisement 
needful to obtain peace and well-being for us was upon him. And with the stripes that wounded him, we are healed and made whole. So Isaiah 53 highlights the saving work of Jesus and all it involves, the unspeakable torment as well as the undoubted triumph. But the fruit and effect of Jesus' saving work is seen in Isaiah 54. Now, one of the things that Isaiah is pointing to is that the church will increase. Now, as I'm speaking, this is for CCF and it is for you as an individual. The church will increase. Ultimately, the church, the people of God, who have been addressed in these verses, will continue to increase. For thou shalt break forth on the right hand and the left, and thy seed shall inherit the Gentiles and make the desolate cities to be inhabited. In other words, the Lord will bless his church, his people with numbers. Thy seed shall inherit the Gentiles. Verse 5, they had hope because their maker is their husband. He is the one who will make them fruitful. He challenges them to sing for joy and to enlarge the place of their tent. He challenges them to reach out and draw the whole world into the tent of God. Okay. So... This week, I was on um, jury service. Now, I'm not supposed to talk about it, but I will. Yeah, I was on, I, I was, oh, I say I was on jury service. I'm still on jury service, okay? I've got the whole of next week as well. Now, I dodged that thing the first time they came looking for me. <laughs> and I said... Um, it's my daughter, uh, she's starting secondary school, so I don't want to do it. And they said, okay, fine, move it to some other date. And that date came round, and I thought, Lord, I'm going to dodge it again if I can. Because no one wants to do it, right? Well, not many people want to do it. But the Lord said, no. He said, no, son. I need you to be there and take your place for there is something I want you to do. I need you to be there and take your place, your place. I need you to pitch your tent, your place of influence for me at this time in that setting.
All I can say is this. There is evidence. There is hard evidence. And there is plain truth of the evidence. Okay, I, say, I can't say the details, but... I tell you, as soon as I sat down in that place and the defendant was just over there, the Holy Spirit just said what he said. And I just thought, Lord, I can only go by the evidence that's presented to me. But you see, we have to work according to the laws of the land. And the laws of the land say, if you're a juror, you have to look at the evidence that's presented to you, written and verbal, and make a judgment on the basis of that evidence. And the judgment is supposed to be unanimous amongst the 12. Not that day. Not that day. The Holy Spirit is the only one that can lead you into all the truth. It doesn't matter what the evidence says. It matters what the whole truth is. I was bound by evidence, but I was released by the truth. For they shall know the truth and the truth shall make them free. So there was a mistrial. The point of the matter is, if I was not willing to pitch my tent in that place and not be there, God knows. God knows. If I don't show up next week, I mean, we've done two cases already, and they've both not been clear cut. <laughs> But you see, my perspective on the law of the land is not the same as a perspective of an unbeliever. It's not the same. So in the deliberations, I could say things that had not been heard by the others. And I could say things in a context that they were not aware of. But because I did, some said, I want to change my mind about that. I get your point. The power that is within us, the authority that we carry, but we've got to show up We've got to pitch our tent when we're supposed to pitch our tent. I don't know what next week's going to have in it, but as sure as anything, no, I need to be there. Okay, so that's jury service. So in, when the Lord said, enlarge your tent, 
I sat and I thought, oh, Lord, I don't even have time to produce any kind of message, to be honest with you. But what do you want to say? He didn't just tell me. He gave me a dream as well. Oh, dear, oh, dear. He gave me a dream. And I'm still upset about that. Okay, so should we have the dream? What was that like down here? <laughs> yeah, we have the dream now. So what was the dream? So here I was in this, I believe I was approaching the church, a church. And it was massive. So much so, I don't even remember the building. All I remember was the steps. It was massive. The steps were huge, like the size of the chair. And there were limestone. Mm -hmm. Okay? But the music coming from them was so beautiful. The worship, it was just so beautiful coming. And I was happy, you know, I hadn't even got in there yet. But there are all these people sitting on the steps, laying on the steps. If you can imagine, between one step, there was like a big gap, like, like that. And people were kind of in between, sitting on the steps, whatever. And they were miserable. They were miserable and they were frustrated, okay? But they were also suited and booted. Do you know what that term means? City pinstripes. Business attire. And I recognised one woman, and I'd known this woman from 35 years ago at uni. I won't give her a name. I kind of smiled and she gave me a dirty look. Dirty look she gave me. I was like, whoa, what's that about? And they were miserable on these steps. They could not go from the steps into the building. Unable to do so. Here's me. I know I felt I could just leap over the steps into the church. No problem. No problem at all. I was like, why aren't you going in? They could go no further than the steps. All together, dressed up well. But they could not get into the building. So I knelt down to one of the guys. And he started to tell me, about the music, but he could not understand the words. He could not, he started to explain what he was feeling and stopped because he was confused, he didn't get it. He didn't understand the worship words. Words are powerful in the worship. He didn't get it. And I knew I had to sit down and explain what it meant. 
And that was the end of my dream. And I knew that. You see, we're inside and we're doing church and we're enjoying. But there's people on the steps of the church, the ecclesia, they can't get in. They can't get in. And they've got themselves ready, all suited up and everything. And they're sitting on the steps and they're frustrated. And we just jump into the church like that. But they can't get in. And I began to think, it doesn't matter what nice music or what we play or what we do inside the church or what we do for the Lord inside the church, how wonderful we are. What's the point? Now, I'm not trying to make us feel bad, but I feel bad. <laughs> Lord, Deji, enlarge your tent. <sighs> okay. So you can see where I'm going. Well, you can see where the Holy Spirit's going. So I said, okay, Lord, all right. You got me. He said, I want to enlarge your tent, but you need more tent pegs. Now, he said tent pegs to me, but in the scriptures, it talks about stakes. God is so good, he modernizes the words so that we can relate instantaneously. <laughs> he said, ten pegs. And I said, okay, Lord, what are the ten pegs and where can I get them? Because if your tent is going to be enlarged, you need more ten pegs. And indeed, you need more tent. Yeah. Yeah. I need to hurry up, actually. <laughs> and the Lord said... The ten pegs, they are my fulfilled promises that you collect with demonstrations of faith. They are fulfilled promises that you collect with demonstrations of faith. So I said, okay, Lord, I need more tent pegs, but who's going to provide more tent? The material. And God said, I will always be your covering for every territory I will give you. Remember this always and fear not. If we are going to expand to encompass more, God will always be the covering that enables us to do so. But his fulfilled promises are proof to all that come in that there is a, how can I put it, 
a boundary, a, a containment. They are within a safety net, as it were. I'm trying to explain this, Lord, to the best I can. And he said there's a hidden meaning in the tent, the inside of the tent. So let's go back into the scriptures. Enlarging of your tent happens when you are ready for growth. So he said this, and I, I'm still trying to get through. And he said, CCF, you are ready for growth. So he said, he said, CCF, you're ready for growth. He said, Denise, are you ready for growth? He said, Mark, Mark's not here today, I don't think. Are you ready for growth? And he knows what I'm talking about. He said, there are many in here that need to ask themselves that question. Because if you are not ready for growth, I cannot enlarge your tent by my spirit. So what has been ready for growth? What does that look like? When God's priority is your priority. You see, God puts us in places, gives us jobs, gives us opportunities, but what he's expecting is for us to rely on him, for us to do it in faith. And there comes the growth. Second Peter 3.18 says this, But grow in grace, undeserved favour, spiritual strength, and recognition and knowledge and understanding of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ the Messiah. To him be glory, honour, majesty and splendour, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. So be it. Saints, this ministry needs to be ready for growth. We need to get ready. 1 Timothy 4, 12 to 16 says this. Let no one despise or think less of you because of your youth, but be an example, pattern for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith and in purity. Till I come, devote yourself to public and private reading, to exhortation, preaching and personal appeals and to teaching and instilling doctrine. Do not neglect the gift which is in you, that special inward endowment which was directly imparted to you by the Holy Spirit, by prophetic utterance, when the elders laid their hands upon you at your ordination. Mm 
practice and cultivate and meditate upon these duties. Throw yourself wholly into them as your ministry so that your progress may be evident to everybody. Look well to yourself, to your own personality and to your teaching. Persevere in these things. Hold to them, for by so doing, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. Enlarge your tent. Be ready for growth. The Holy Spirit is speaking to us. The Lord said, I am watching to see proof that you are ready. I am watching to see proof that you are really ready. Ready for growth. Enlarge the place of your tent. The Lord actually said to me, enlarge your tent. But they're the same. Enlarging your tent can only happen if the place that it's residing on is also enlarged. So enlarge the place of your tent. Where your tent is, enlarge it. But he wanted me to focus on the tent. And let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. You're not going to get new curtains for your tent. God's going to stretch what you have. That's an important distinction. You're not going to get new curtains. He's going to stretch you. He's going to stretch me. He's going to stretch us. There's no one new coming, you know. Not in the sense that you think. (laughs) I should not say anymore. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your states. For you shall expand to the right and to the left. And your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. We are in the process of expansion. I, I mean, I've got something at the end, but, but we must be ready for growth. Because if we're not, then it's going to take longer. So everything that we need to do, that the scripture says that we should do, to demonstrate that we're ready for growth, we need to be doing it.
the Lord went further. He said, you will produce more of the things that come from my spirit when you increase your capacity. He said, things. And I thought, what are things? You will produce more of the things that come from my spirit when you increase your capacity. So what do we think the things are? Well, we know that as children of God, when we submit to the Holy Spirit and crucify our flesh, allowing him to accomplish his work in us, we will display the fruit of the Spirit, according to Galatians 5.22. But the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the work which, he, which his presence within accomplishes, is love, joy, gladness, peace, patience, and even temper, forbearance, kindness, goodness, benevolence, faithfulness, gentleness, meekness, humility, self-control, self-restraint, continence, Against such things, there is no law that can bring a charge. Now, that's all on display here, obviously, amongst you all. And those who belong to Christ Jesus, the Messiah, have crucified the flesh, the godless human nature, with its passions and appetites and desires. If we live by the Holy Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. If by the Spirit, Holy Spirit, we have our life in God, let us go forward, walking in line, our conduct controlled by the Spirit. But that's not what he was talking about. That's a given. So what are the other things? The things that we will produce more of by this Holy Spirit are miracles. But we must step out in faith. We must increase our capacity, raise our expectation. Now, hand on heart, do you see the fruits of the Spirit in your brothers and your sisters in this church? That's what I would say. But do you see abounding miracles at work? That's the right answer. Not yet. No, it's, it's true, isn't it? So these are the things. The Holy Spirit wants to do miracles without a doubt. He wants to do them through us without a doubt. Because they point to Jesus, they glorify Jesus. And we know that he lifts up the name of Jesus. And if the name of Jesus is lifted up, what happens? Draw all men to him. And if he draws men to him, Jesus is in us, so he draws men to us. And if he draws men to us, what happens? Tent expands. So what do we need? We need the miraculous. We need the miraculous. 
Jesus went to the Father to ask him to send the Holy Spirit so that we can do greater works in the miraculous than he did. But we must enlarge our tent. Can you imagine doing greater miracles than Jesus Christ when he walked the earth? Can you imagine that? Seriously, can you imagine that? You, I'm not talking about your person sitting next to you. I'm talking about you. Can you imagine doing greater works, greater miracles than Jesus Christ? You can say yes, you can say no. It's okay if you say no. The only way it's going to happen is if you can. And it is going to happen. Like David said, it is going to happen. John 14, 11. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the very works themselves. If you cannot trust me, at least let these works that I do in my Father's name convince you. I assure you, most solemnly, I tell you, if anyone steadfastly believes in me, he will himself be able to do the things there you go. The things that I do. And he will do even greater things than these because I go to the Father. Now, he has gone to the Father and he has, the Father has sent the Holy Spirit. So the things that Jesus is talking about should be happening. Now, this is a promise. And God says, you need more tempegs. Because the tempegs are the promises. If you see or know someone that desperately needs a miracle, be bold in faith and ask them if you can pray for them. Allow the Holy Spirit to enlarge your tent. I was leaving the church about two weeks ago. And there was a guy hobbling. He was hobbling along, hobbling along. And I wanted to go and say, do you want me to pray? Do you want me to? But I didn't have the courage. And the reason I didn't have the courage, I mean, I had the courage, but I didn't have the courage. Because I wasn't used to doing it. Now, the first time you go and do such a thing, maybe nothing happens. Maybe it doesn't happen for a year. I don't know. But we've got to start doing. We've got to start doing. We've got to start stepping forward. Because the first time you do it, the first time you step forward, you probably won't think something's going to happen. And probably nothing will happen. But you keep doing it, your expectation is going to build. So that you step forward and you expect, and then it happens. And then you come back and you tell your brothers and your sisters, and then your brothers and sisters start doing it. And we all start doing it. And then what happens? We get labelled as a miracle working church. And the Lord enlarges our tent. It is about the miracles. What else is supposed to happen? I can preach all day long. I can get David to come and preach all day long. We can pick any of you brothers and sisters who know the word and you can preach. And that's fantastic. But where's the miraculous? As good as Pastor Rod is, and he is a good preacher, 
No one's beating down the door. No one's beating down the door. Do you remember that time when Jesus was preaching and they opened up the roof, the ceiling, and let down that guy? That's beating down the door. And if he said greater works than he did are we supposed to do, there should be people beating down the door. There's no one beating down the door. So what's missing? has to be the miraculous. It's coming. It's coming. The Lord said to me, I am working in you from your heart to your mouth. But you are required to have your understanding transformed in the increasing stature of Jesus within you. Now, this is still hot off the press. I haven't even managed to get the word of God to back up this. I mean, I know it's from the Lord, but... I am working in you from your heart to your mouth. What is the Lord saying? He's saying Jesus is in your heart. It has to be because you've given your heart to him. He's in you and you're in him. So he's in there. But unless you're bold enough to speak Jesus, no one's going to hear Jesus. I am working in you from your heart to your mouth but you are required to have your understanding transformed. We've got to understand the working of God in our lives. In the increasing stature of Jesus within us, so that he becomes the fullness in us, so that we can do what he did and more. Jesus never lacked the spirit of God to do powerful things. You've noticed that? He never once said um, the Holy Spirit wasn't with him or uh, he tried to do something and it didn't happen. You notice that? Yes, it said, oh, he couldn't perform works because of the lack of faith. But it never said he tried to do something and it didn't happen. Never. See that? But yet, Sometimes we try to do stuff and it doesn't happen, right? Okay. That's, that's, that's not supposed to be what happens. Okay. The Lord says, wave after wave of my love is how my spirit moves you to place where you can occupy more territory. Wave after wave of my love is how my spirit moves you. God only operates by love so that, and it does come in waves. I mean, I was just crying at the back there. Lord was saying, I've been waiting for ages for you to cry, did you? <laughs> I've been waiting for a long time. Why am I saying this? I'm saying this because God wants to stir us to a place that we have not yet got to. Because taking new territory, and the territory I'm talking about, yeah, it may be a building, but more than anything, it's people. It means that we 
have to shift. We have to stretch. We have to put more pegs in the ground. We have to see the promises of God manifest in our lives and put a stake in the ground and say, that happened, that happened, and Lord enlarges our tent. The reason is because when you start talking to different people, they want testimony. They go to YouTube. They play video games. So they see crazy stuff happening. They see magic. They see sparkling and all this power. And if we don't have any power to give them, then the word that we're preaching is devoid of it. And they won't stay. You see, the miraculous, when Jesus was walking around, was massive. And it didn't need to be as great as it does now. Because now people have a view which is, yeah, 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 well, I saw that on TV last night. Someone's arm grows. You know, they go, oh, yeah, okay. But if their leg or their arm grows, then they'll believe. All right. And this is the next thing the Lord said to me, and it troubled me. But it's the truth. He said, I am moving things out of your tent to make more space for what actually needs to reside within. Now, within the tent, the tent is your place of influence. It's a place where you are responsible for who is in it. Okay? Where you discuss and you influence people for the kingdom. But he said, I'm moving things out of your tent to make more space. Do you know, not everyone will accept the good news of the gospel and get saved. Not every family member, not every friend of yours, not every neighbour of yours, not every teacher, business person that you know, not everyone's going to get saved. This is sad, but it's true. 2 Corinthians 4, 3 to 4 says, but even if our gospel, the glad tidings, also be hidden, obscured and covered up with a veil that hinders the knowledge of God. It is hidden only to those who are perishing and obscured only to those who are spiritually dying and veiled only to those who are lost. For the God of this world has blinded the unbelievers' minds that they should not discern the truth preventing them from seeing the illuminating light of the gospel, of the glory of Christ the Messiah, who is the image and likeness of God. God's truth is still rejected today. But we are called to present the saving message of salvation clearly, without fear, and without compromise, we are not to undertake the convicting work of the Holy Spirit in the lives of unbelievers, but we are all called, all called to preach the word and to explain that man is a sinner in need of a saviour. 
Jesus says in Mark 6, 11, And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, leave that place and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. When Jesus said this, it was effectively saying, those that reject the message, you no longer have any further responsibility for them. You're free to walk away and clear your conscience. Knowing that you've done all that could be done. Shaking the dust off your feet. In effect saying that those who rejected God's truth will not be allowed to hinder the fervorance of the gospel. God's going to have to take some people out of your tent that you keep focusing on that are not getting saved and take them out and put people in there that are going to get saved. That auntie, as stubborn as a mule, who you've prayed for and fasted for, has no intention of accepting Jesus. It's hard what I'm saying. But you must focus on speaking to as many as are willing to listen. Do not waste your time on those that are not willing to listen to a message that they have heard already and see you coming and just take up your time. And at the end of it all, say no. They're not stirred by your much praying and your much fasting. They are happy with their blind eyes and dull spirit. Don't waste your time. God knows that because you think and feel that everyone you know is eventually going to get saved, you will keep on trying. So he himself is going to take people out of your tent and bring new ones in or take people out of your tent to make room for new people to enter your tent, to take up your time that will get saved. This is the reality of the times we're in. The end time harvest has to happen that way. Because if you and I keep talking to the same people, then the people that I saw on the step, they ain't coming in. May the Holy Spirit bring before you and into your tent those that are according to his will and release you from those whom he has not sent to you. I say it again, release you from those whom he has not sent to you and has not sent you to. You know, God is so deliberate that he'll put you on the train and make you late so you can speak to somebody or he will put you in hospital so that the sick person next to you, you can minister to them. Or he will allow your pastor to be in hospital just so you can visit her and sing praise and worship there and the people around can hear it. You think the devil has control over us? 
No, he doesn't. I'm not saying that's the reason for those circumstances, but what I'm saying is, before anything can happen, God has to sign it off. What is it that scripture says? About those things working for us? Amen. I am advancing you as a people and a church. Don't look back for the familiar. It won't help you move forward. Just trust me. God is advancing us individually and he's advancing us as a church and we're not to look back to hold on to the familiar. We've got to let some things go, okay? because it's not going to help us move forward. What do I mean by that? That which happened in the past, we can't use it to justify or determine what's going to happen in the future. The Lord's doing a new thing. He's doing a new thing, okay? He's doing a new thing. There's much more in here, but I'm scared to even say it. Okay, so what, he gave me four ways. He said, I will enlarge your tent in four ways, okay? I'm going to give these things to you, but at a later time, I'm going to preach about them because I'm, I mean, this is still hot. I haven't even had the time. Um, number one was positioning you well before your blessing, Okay. If God does not position us in such a way that we're able to attain the blessing, then it will affect our testimony. And how can we speak to them if we don't have a testimony? God will position you well before your blessing. Number two giving you time to increase your faith. Sometimes we're a bit timid. Okay? We're a bit slow on the uptake. The seed of faith is there, but because we've not learned to exercise it, that muscle is weak. But faith is a muscle. God gives us time to increase our faith, gives us time to work ourselves into faith because he's gracious. Number three, power to own the territory. It takes the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to minister to people and for them to receive the gospel and get saved. You can talk 
Bible till you are blue in the face. You can have little meetings, people come into your house and you can talk to them about Jesus. And they can be looking, they can drink your tea, they can eat your cakes, <laughs> eat your crisps. But if the Holy Spirit is not there, they won't step over the threshold from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's heavenly light. Because it is not the name of Jesus, it's the revelation of Jesus Christ that gets a man or a woman saved. And you can't give them that. It comes from the Holy Spirit. It comes from that power. Power to own the territory. It is the Holy Spirit and it is the Holy Spirit only. You are not the convicting influence over somebody that gets them saved. You can make them feel guilty, but guilty isn't what gets someone saved. I say it and I say it again. It is the revelation of Jesus Christ that gets a man or a woman to receive salvation. And if someone is coerced into coming to church and they say the sinner's prayer, but it is not through the revelation of Jesus Christ, they might not come back next week. And indeed, they're not really saved because salvation is believing in your heart that he died on the third, he, <laughs> he died and rose again on the third day and that he truly is the son of the living God. And that's revelation that gives you that. It's revelation, and revelation comes from the Holy Spirit. The power is at work within us. But sometimes our much convincing gets in the way of his revelation. Number four, praying for instruction. God enlarges our tent by getting us to pray for his instruction. Just because there is a lovely meeting with unsaved people going to it doesn't mean that you need to be there to minister to them. Lord, what should I do? He may say, stay at home and pray for that person to speak to them. You're not to speak to them. Whichever way it is, pray for instruction. I will preach on these, these four ways, because I can see there's a message on those alone. But for now, I'll just give you them. And then finally, Jonathan, can you put up the... This is what the Lord said to me. And this is for the church. Too many times... And too many seasons have gone by. Now is the moment of advancing and taking ground. The new ground is fertile and the move is definite. So you must take it. I am powering you forward and there is no more time to consider your options for there is nothing left where you are. It is not difficult to see why. More prayer is needed for the journey, but the ground is there to be taken. Much 
has been overcome already, including the enemy. Make sure you are ready to move. The multitudes are coming. The multitudes are coming. So what is this new ground that the Lord is talking about? New ground is fertile. He's talking about people. And the move is definite. So you must take it. There are new people. People you've not seen before or heard before. Fertile ground. Hearts ready to receive Jesus. Not stony ground. That you have to work to put a shovel into it. Fertile ground. That just a little bit of seed produces life. Small bit of the word of God produces life. I am powering you forward. He's powering us forward, motivating us. There's no more time to consider your options. For there is nothing left where you are. Nothing left. I don't know how much longer we have in this school. And I know the Lord is talking partly about that. But I know he's also talking partly about the mindset. There is nothing left where you are. It's not difficult to see why. More prayer is needed for the journey. But the ground is there to be taken. The ground is there to be taken. Much has been overcome already, including the enemy. When David preached the other day and he said, time of warfare is done, we're over, it's over. Still need to pray, but the warfare Sit down. I now get it. Much has been done. Much has been overcome already, including Satan himself. Now make sure you are ready to move. If you're not ready for growth, God cannot enlarge your tent. We've already heard that. But I believe we are ready. Our eyes need to be open to it completely, but I believe we are ready because God's saying, enlarge your tent. We have to cooperate with what God wants to do. He's the one that will bring the people that you are to be responsible for. But he can't force you to talk. He's trying. He's trying to get it from your heart to your mouth. That's what he's trying to do. But we have to cooperate. So make sure we're ready because the multitudes are coming. They are coming. He's sending them. I'm going to leave it there. There's more to be said, but that's as far as I've got.
God will enlarge your tent, my tent, our tent. But he's not going to do it in spite of us. He's going to do it with us. If we don't want it, he's not doing it. I say it again. If you don't want it, or if we don't want it, he's not doing it. So we have to hunger for this. We have to step up for this. We have to pray into this. We have to be expectant for this. And we have to be thankful for this. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for this new season. I thank you for what you're doing in CCF. I thank you for what you're doing in me, what you're doing in my brothers and my sisters. I thank you for this time. I thank you for this place. I thank you for the multitudes that are coming. I thank you for growth. We are ready for growth, Lord. I pray about those who are on the steps of the church, across the body of Christ. Those who are on the steps of the church. May every one of my brothers and my sisters kneel down and minister to them. Show us where on the steps they are. Let us not be so looking forward to getting into that praise and worship and meeting with that brother or sister or hearing that message in the church that we step over those that can only make it as far as the steps. Open our eyes so that we can see, Lord. For God is building a church without walls. We call the multitudes. How will they hear if we don't tell them? And if you are in here today and you are saying yes to this prayer, keep your eyes open tomorrow because I tell you what, the chances are God will send someone. And it won't be somebody that's currently in your tent. It'll be somebody perhaps you are not expecting. Holy Spirit, give us a ready word for that person. A word of knowledge that will cause them to understand the power that lies within us. For they shall know the truth and the truth shall make them free. Lord, we thank you and we bless you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Be encouraged. We are responsible for bringing in the end time harvest. There's no, there's no one else coming. <laughs> it's us. Sus. Have a great week. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. We believe you've really enjoyed this message. 
For further information, visit www.commonwealthchurch.org and feel free to join us on any Sunday 